Let us turn again to the part of God's word that we read, the prophecy of Isaiah, chapter 38, and we may look again at verses 18 and 19. Isaiah, chapter 38, verses 18 and 19. For the grave cannot praise thee, death cannot celebrate thee. They that go down into the pit cannot hope for thy truth. The living, the living, he shall praise thee, as I do this day. The Father to the children shall make known thy truth. We have here Hezekiah's writing, as we're told in verse 9, when he recovered from his sickness. The Lord had, first of all, told him that he was to, to die, set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. But then had heard his prayer and granted him another 15 years of life. And we see that he bemoans the uh, days that seem to be lost, days of his life. Verse 10, I said in, said in the cutting off of my days, I shall go down to the gates of the grave. I'm deprived of the residue of my years. It seemed he was going to be cut off early in life, relatively early, but now another 15 years have been added to him. And he's rejoicing to have those back again. Verse 20, the Lord was ready to save me. Therefore we will sing my songs to the stringed instruments all the days of my life in the house of the Lord. In the verses we want to think about, we have, and in other verses as well, we have, as we said before, the, the Old Testament, or very much the Old Testament view of death, it's not entirely the case, but it's largely the case that the Old Testament view of death uh, view, views death from the perspective of this life. From the perspective of this life, people, as it, people when they die, they uh, disappear and they cease to act here and can no longer play any part in life, either good or evil. We know from the, the New Testament that the righteous go into the presence of God and the, old, the wicked go to that fearful place. Christ tells us about that man who opened his eyes in hell, the rich man who opened his eyes in hell. And Paul tells us about the, uh, his own desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. And we see well, something of that in the Old Testament as well. But the predominant view is what we have here, which is that there's a, a silence beyond. The grave cannot praise thee, death cannot celebrate thee. They that go down into the pit cannot hope for thy truth. And if that's the, what we're taught in the, or that's the emphasis in the Old Testament, then we can see that that is important. There's something important here, which is that our opportunity for the exercise of faith and the praise of God is now in this life. They that go down into the pit cannot hope for thy truth. If we're going to hope for God's truth, it's something that we must be doing now. Now is our time when we can engage our hearts in the truth of God. And uh, now is the time when we can praise God in, in this world, the living, the living. He shall praise thee as I do this day. Now is the time when we can exercise faith in praising God. 
And now is the time when we can be declaring God's works to the next generation. The father to the children shall make known thy truth. That work of, of receiving the truth in our day and then passing it on to those that come after us. So these are the things that we want to think about. The opportunity that we have and the duty that we have now. And uh, the day will come when these things are past. When we can no longer praise God's name here in this world. We, to leave that to others. We cannot celebrate God here in this world anymore. So now is our time of opportunity in this world. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, we want to think about Three things. The first is that this is where we can exercise faith. They that go down into the pit cannot hope for thy truth. Hope, hope has no place in the world to come. If we're going to hope in God's mercy, it must be now. This is where we can exercise faith. This is where we can praise God in faith. The living, the living, he shall praise thee as I do this day. There is praise in the world to come, but it's not an exercise of faith, but an exercise of sight. And this is where we can declare God's works to another generation. We can teach others the things of God. The Father to the children shall be known by truth. Three things then, opportunity and of duty. And the first is that this is where we can exercise faith. We can be of those that hope for God's truth. The world to come, as we say, the faith and hope have no place. The wicked perish when they go down to the pit, when they go to the grave. That's the end of their opportunity for embracing the gospel. The offer of Christ is withdrawn from them. The door is shut. The day of uh, Salvation is over as far as they are concerned. They're shut up to a world of darkness and despair. They never shall see light. No further opportunity to secure salvation, to lay hold upon eternal life. But there's no hope for them, but nor is there any cause or hope or reason for hope for the righteous. Because when they... Uh, when their bodies go down to the pit, the soul goes into the presence of God. They do immediately pass into uh, his, his presence, and the uh, faith there is swallowed up in sight, and the uh, hope it receives its fulfillment. What a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? There's no place, no further place for hope. They, ha they then have the possession we see through a glass darkly, says Paul, but then face to face. So it's only here that faith and hope have a place. And that's the, the uh, Hezekiah saying, they cannot hope for thy truth. Well, the truth, that's uh, the, word, the word of God, truth of God. And uh, these ones receive the truth. They hope, they hope for God's truth. They acknowledge that God's word is the truth. They trust it. They receive it as, the, as it is indeed, the truth of God. And not as others who 
rejected. That's what happens. Some, the word of God comes to many, and some receive it as the truth, and some pass it by. But they may not say anything. Generally, they don't. They don't uh, consciously say, I don't believe that. They don't consciously deny the word of God, but they show by their actions, by their conduct, that that is their judgment upon it. That they don't regard the word of God as worthy of being received and acted upon. And in that way, in their turning away from the word of God and their despising of the word of God, they make God a liar. They're saying that they regard, they judge his word not to be true. They don't receive the testimony that God has given concerning his son. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, hear ye him. And they don't receive that testimony. They don't see Christ as God's beloved son, and they don't see their duty, their need to hear him. They don't see him as the saviour, the one name given under heaven among men, whereby we must be saved. They don't believe if they're rejecting Christ, they don't believe they have a need of salvation, or not of that, salvation. They may seek something else, but they don't seek the salvation of God's providing So they don't receive the truth, but the ones uh, such as Hezekiah, they do receive the truth. What what the word says, they believe. The promises of the word, the warnings of the word, they uh, recognize the reality of these things. That If God is warning sinners, then sinners are in great danger. They themselves are in great danger. If God is telling them that they are sinners, which they are, then they're in danger. Hezekiah was feeling his sins. Thou in thy love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption. Thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. The face of death, his sins were uh, rising up, but uh, God had cast them all behind his back. So they recognized the danger, but they recognized also the promises, and particularly and the invitations that are connected with Christ. And they flee to him. They flee to him to save them, to cover them. Lord, help me. Into thy hands I commit my spirit. They say, thou hast redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. So this becomes a great motive in their life, that they've received the truth, and so they, their hope is bound up in the truth of God. They hope for God's truth because there are great things promised, both of what God is going to do in the world and what God, how God is going to reward his people in eternity. And they value these things and they set their heart upon them. What God is going to do in this world with regard to his kingdom, the building up of his church, glorious things that are spoken of Zion and they long to see these things I'd fainted in there so I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living so they long to see God's glory declared in this world and they long also for 
what lies ahead in eternity. Moses looked for the recompense of the reward. He endured as seeing him who was invisible, that every believer is looking in that way. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Mortality shall be swallowed up of life. They desire these things, and that sustains them and strengthens them and helps them in every trial here in this world. So they, lift up, they lift up the hands that hang down, and the feeble knees are confirmed. And God makes plain paths for their feet by the hope that they have, which is a, a strength to them, having for an helmet the hope of salvation. So this is the exercise of the people of God, the life of faith and hope and the desire that they have to be with Christ, which is far better. But it's only in this life that they can live in this way. There has no place in the world to come, no place for the angels, no place for the redeemed in glory. It's only here that they can honour God by living the life of faith. So that's an important, uh, it's a privilege and a, a duty that believers have. And uh, Hezekiah uh, had a desire to continue in that, to honour God in that way, hoping for his truth. Well, the first matter then, that this is where we can exercise faith the second thing is that this is where we can praise God in faith. Like exercise faith, but especially this matter of praise. That, uh, the living, the living, he shall praise thee as I do this day. And again, it's, it's especially praising God before our fellow men here in this world. Praising God in faith. Because we know that there's certainly praise in the eternal well, there's nothing but praise. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. They rest not day and night, saying these things. Praises continue in eternity. But it's a praise based on sight and not on faith. Not looking upon the things that are unseen and eternal with the eye of faith, but with the eye of sight. They shall see God. His name shall be in their foreheads. Well, it's that praise arising from faith in the heart that can only be offered now. And in their praising of God, they are strengthening their faith. They're not only expressing their faith, but they are also strengthening it. They, in uh, declaring God's praise and Singing God's praise, they are uh, setting the things of God before them. The works of God, what God has done in Christ, and who, who Christ is and what Christ has done. These things, they sing of these things, the glory of God, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, the promises of God, they, in singing the words and in praising God's name in other Ways they uh, uh, cause these things, as it were, to pass before them. They remind themselves of these things. They remind themselves and they learn an opportunity when they're praising God. There are many things yet 
in the word of God that they do not understand. And so it's a time when they can advance in understanding. God can teach them out of his word. It's a time when they can reflect on the things of God. So it is a good thing. The psalmist says it is a good thing to sing praises to the Most High. Not only to God's glory, but to their own spiritual benefit as well. They benefit themselves and they are seeking in praising God to be, to be benefiting others also. Benefiting the saints of God. We gather together with others. We gather together in our family worship. We gather together in our public worship to, to uh, stir up others. Provoking one another, says Paul, unto love and unto good works. Well, by our ordinary conversation, but also by our worship to help one another in spiritual things. It is helpful to gather with others to praise God. Elsewhere, Paul describes <coughs> the people of God as <coughs> admonishing one another in psalms and in hymns and in spiritual songs, singing and making melody unto the Lord in their hearts. Not perhaps a way we would immediately think of this. We would think of it as a especially directed to God, and in one way it is. It's the praise, the, he is the one who's being praised, and yet at the same time there was an admonition one to another. And you notice if you look at the Psalms, how many of them are speaking of the other people who are involved in the praise and calling on others to stir themselves up, sing unto the Lord a new song. I the soul, yes, the soul is called to do that, but others as well are being addressed. His praises in the congregation of the saints. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. So there is not only a stirring up of one's own soul in God's praise, but there's this endeavor to stir up the souls of others, praying for others, praying that they may be quickened in their spiritual lives stirred up to call upon God's name. Not only other believers, but unbelievers too. That uh, the part of the purpose of praising God is directed towards them. That they, as it were, may be rebuked in part for their uh, lack of praise, but also as an invitation to, to join themselves unto the law. People of God come together to maintain the honor and the worship of God, to declare his praise before the world. But in doing that, they're not, it's not to the exclusion of others, but an invitation always there to uh, join, join them. An open door. Come and to, in to call upon the name of the law. We see that from the day of Pentecost onwards, to, uh, to call upon his name. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, an invitation then to poor, needy sinners to call upon God's name. And the people of God are resolved to do this, even if 
It brings trouble on their heads, and even if they uh, experience scorn for it. David was rejoicing before the Lord, was dancing before the Lord, and his, his wife, or one of his wives, Michael, the Saul's daughter, looked out, and she despised him. She despised such fervent worship. She despised him, and David, in a way, uh, we may say, despised her scorn. As Christ uh, endured the cross, despising the shame, while well, David likewise despised the uh, scorn that she cast upon him. I will yet be yet more vile, he said, as God who'd taken away her father and put him in on the throne in his place and was right that he should praise God's name and she would despise him for it. Well, so be it, as it were, but he was not going to give up the praising of God. So that's the believer's spirit. He desires that others would join as well, but if they will not do so, then he will continue. I will be yet more vile in this matter. Going on in praising God's name. Well, Hezekiah, we see that was his spirit. And uh, he's asked about his recovery. He expresses it in these very terms. Verse 22, what is the sign that I should go up to the house of the Lord? In other words, if he recovers, he's going to go to the house of the Lord. That's the first thing he will do. If he's well enough to do it, he'll be, he'll be there praising God's name. Let all the world know that Hezekiah is a, is a servant of the God of Israel, the God of David. Let all the world know that Hezekiah honors that God. So it's only in this life that the people of God can do this. The, 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 the night comes when the body is laid in the grave and their opportunities for honoring God here in this world are at an end. And yes, they may go into his presence and they can glorify him before the saints and the angels to all eternity. But it's only here and now that they can honor him in this life. This is their day of opportunity to do that. And the third thing we have is that this is the time when they can uh, pass on the things of God to the next generation. The father to the children shall make known thy truth. And this is the way that God has organized human life. As we know, we start off as children, learning from those that have gone before, having to, uh, our place is almost entirely as uh, learners at that stage, and then gradually we, as we get older, we become teachers. And it's increasingly, we carry on as learners as well, but increasingly we have that duty of passing on the things that we've learned to others, to those who are coming after us. Our generation, it may be, uh, also adds something to the pool of knowledge. That's the way God has organized human life. That each generation learns from those that have gone before and has its own uh, discoveries of the works of God in creation, providence, and scripture. We have to look into these things for ourselves as well. But then soon our day is over and we've got to pass them on to others, those that are coming after us. And in, in both learning and teaching, we suppose that there are important uh, spiritual aspects 
to these things. We, as, as learners, <coughs> we certainly have to, have to learn to be humble, of a teachable spirit. Okay, some people are teachable, some are not. Some are rebellious, stubborn, won't listen or won't obey, won't hear. Others receive. This is in natural things. As it is in natural things, so it is in spiritual things also. One thing, as we know, in, when we're learners, is that we're often made to do things that we don't really understand what the point is at the time. So we'll learn our alphabet or whatever it may be, and it seems very uh, tedious and uh, no obvious benefit at that stage. But gradually afterwards, we, we realize why we had to do these things. And that outward lesson is important to us in spiritual things because that's how God teaches us there as well. What I, what I do, what I do, uh, ye know not now, but ye shall know hereafter. And God is dealing with us in that way, spiritually, as we have been dealt with outwardly, and we are put through lessons, as it were, that we don't understand for the present. But there may be profit, and there will be profit in them for the people of God afterwards. So that learning spirit is important. And then we have the teaching spirit as well. And we have to, we find that we, uh, whatever role, role it is in life, we quite quickly become teachers of others. And uh, we've learned things, and uh, those that have come after us don't know these things yet. And we find ourselves in the position of instructors. And uh, in, as instructors, we then find that we start to learn things as well, because we have to think, how, how am I going to teach this? What's the best way to set about it? <clears throat> we have to order things in our own minds. And in doing that, we uh, maybe appreciate connections and start to ask questions ourselves. Why, why is, what's the connection between these two things? And why do we do them in this order? And so on. And this applies in natural matters and in spiritual and uh, the teaching, well, it has, I think we can say it has a, a, a little bit of the divine in it. Man made in the image of God. And God is the great uh, teacher, the great instructor, teaching uh, people uh, out, of, out of his word, out, teaching people concerning his world and concerning his word and concerning their duty, and it's a privilege for men that they are allowed to do something of that as well. That they're, allowed, they're given that position of authority, as it were, where they are allowed, they may be useful to teaching others. And so even naturally, but especially in spiritual things. As we received, as a, was a generation that went before, that understood the things of God and passed them on to us, so we are to be, to be good learners, not bad learners, or those that refuse to learn altogether, as it were, truants, who will not learn anything about the things of God, to stop their ears to the truth, but those that receive the word of God and act upon it, and then enabled to pass it on to others, to counsel others, to 
direct others in spiritual things, to set an example. One way we teach is by setting an example, showing in our lives how, according to our understanding, God will have his people to live. So this was a, 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 an opportunity that we have now to, and a, a duty that we have to pass on and one of the great concerns of Hezekiah was the, the darkness that was, he feared would come after him and uh, we see that the Verse six, 6, for example, I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will uh, defend this city. One of Hezekiah's concerns was that if he was cut off, then it would be his uh, ungodly son, as he was at that stage, his ungodly son that was going to come to the throne and it would bring ruin upon the people. So he would he was given another 15 years as a teacher, as an example to his nation. Well, that's how the Christian feels. He got opportunity. Now, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. The Ephesians wept because they weren't going to have Paul's example anymore. They would see his face no more. He's going to be taken away. He'd done the work of his generation and now... He would not be with them any longer. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. Well, these are, this is, it's only in this life then that we can uh, help those that come after us. So we have to ask in these things, if now is our time of opportunity, with regard to faith, are you exercising faith? Are you hoping for God's truth? While you have your time now, is your heart set upon the truth of God, hoping for that, living the life of faith? And are you endeavoring to praise God before the world, the life of praise? It is sing God's praise before the world. And are you doing your uh, part in, first of all, learning, but then also a teaching if you're First to learn, the fathers to the children shall make known thy truth. First to learn the truth and then to teach others also that the word of God may continue from generation to generation. May the Lord bless his word to us.